0: CHAPTER Fourteen OF THE OUTDOOR GIRLS AT FOAMING FALLS This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. THE OUTDOOR GIRLS AT FOAMING FALLS by Laura Lee Hope INVESTIGATING A beautiful spot, the surroundings of the old stone house, despite its desolate appearance, the house itself was set high on a knoll which in the rear sloped back sharply toward the river. Near the house, a clearing had been made and flowers bloomed in riotous tangle everywhere. On every side, great old trees flung out their protecting branches. As the outdoor girls alighted and looked about them, they could hear the silvery rush of the falls in the distance, the merry ripple of the water nearer by. Beautiful! murmured Grace. What a spot for a vacation. Oh, how the beautiful river calls to me, came from Stella. Girls, how long will it take to unpack our bathing suits? Molly laughed. We have a good deal to do before we think of bathing suits, she said. We'll have to do some scurrying about if we expect to get anywhere near settled before dark. The statement awoke the girls unpleasantly to the realization that the moment had come when they must brave the mysteries and terrors of the haunted house. Outside, everything was beautiful and sunshiny and friendly. If only they might remain outside. Molly, who sensed the tension in the air, decided on quick action. You have the key, haven't you, Stella? For answer, the latter removed the key from a ribbon about her neck. Here, she said, holding it at arm's length as though it shared the ghastly secret of the house, You open the door, Molly. Front door or back? asked Molly briskly. I think it's the back. Dad said the front lock was always hard to turn. Molly, as well as the other girls, experienced a quick sensation of relief. It was in the front room of the house that the vacant chair rocked, and it was from the front porch of the house that the ghostly phenomenon had been witnessed. The girls had no great desire at that moment to enter the house by the front door. They had driven the cars down the weed-overgrown driveway around the side of the house. They made their way now around to the back and found an old vine-covered back porch. "'Let's hope the key works,' said Molly as she fitted it in the lock. She exerted pressure and the key turned. She grasped the knob and the door swung slowly inward." The damp and musty odor that came forth from the interior was scarcely reassuring. The girls paused and faced each other irresolutely. No one cared to be the first to explore behind that open door. Suddenly, Molly gave a little exclamation of disgust at herself, flung wide the door, and marched boldly into the space beyond. This proved to be a narrow passage at one end of which stood a tall old-fashioned icebox. The girls followed closely as Molly pushed open another door and entered the kitchen. Not a bad place, that kitchen, though the musty odor still persisted and dust and cobwebs were everywhere. Molly's first act was to throw the windows wide open. Get some fresh air in here and it won't be so bad, she said. Come on in, girls, she added, with a laughing glance at the doorway where the others still lingered, irresolute. Nothing will bite you. I'm not so sure of that, giggled Irene, and was immediately silenced by a chorus of indignant protests. With the fresh, sweet air flowing in at the open windows, the girls' spirits began to revive. They started immediately on a tour of exploration, and found that there was an abundance of tableware, cooking utensils, and old china stored away in the dusty cupboards. These would all have to be thoroughly scoured before they could be used, of course, but that part was comparatively easy. "'I was afraid we might have to eat with our fingers,' said Irene. "'Hello. What's this?' She had stopped before the sink, but it was plain to be seen that it was not the sink that engaged her attention, but rather the rusted object above it. "'Oh, that,' Stella said, stopping beside her. "'Haven't you ever seen a kitchen pump before?' See, you have to grab hold of the handle like this. She seized the clumsy bit of iron and gave it a vigorous wrench. A horrible, grinding, groaning noise came from the mouth of the pump. A noise so weird and startling in that ghostly place that the girls started and jumped back. Stella dropped the handle as though it had burned her. What was it? gasped Molly. Only the pump. Stella was trying to laugh and not making a great success of it. It probably hasn't been used in ages, and I scared the poor old thing to death. "'And the rest of us, too,' said Grace reproachfully. "'The next time you do that, Stella dear, please give us a warning.' Molly approached the old pump and regarded it curiously. "'I wonder if that old thing will really pump water,' she said, and resolutely laid hold of the handle." The pump groaned again, but Molly kept on doggedly, and Irene came forward and took hold of the handle to help her. It was hard work, and the faces of the two girls grew red with exertion, but they were finally rewarded by the spurting out of a thin stream of water from the mouth of the pump. Thus encouraged, they worked harder and soon had a good stream flowing into the rusted sink. It ran dirty at first, but soon cleared itself. So much for that, said Molly triumphantly. Now, girls, I think we had better go over the rest of the house before it gets too dark for us to see well. We'll have to fix up some sort of sleeping quarters, you know. The girls did know, but they were not particularly cheerful about it. To get to the rooms upstairs, one must presumably pass the parlor, and in that parlor was the rocking chair. However, Molly was already leading the way resolutely from the kitchen to the adjoining room, and the others had no choice but to follow. The next apartment was the dining room, and this they found not at all bad. To be sure, the furniture was dark and gloomy enough, and the place had the same musty closed-in order as the rest of the house. But there was a bay window at one side of the room with a wide window seat, and on the further side was a great old-fashioned fireplace. "'We'll find some good dry wood tomorrow and have one crackling fire in the grate,' said Molly exultingly. "'Girls, I begin to see where we are going to have loads of fun.' Despite her cheery words, Molly found it hard to open the door into the hall. It was locked, surprisingly, on the inside, and the lock groaned complainingly as she turned the key in it. The door opened. The hall without took on a dark and ominous appearance that nearly daunted the girls, overtired as they were by their hard trip. It seemed for a moment that they could not force themselves to venture into that grim and cobwebbed place to pass in semi-darkness the door of that mysterious front room. Irene made a move as though to retreat to the comparative cheerfulness of the dining room and kitchen, but Molly halted her sharply. We can't sleep in the kitchen, you know, she said. Come on, girls. One, two, three, and up. They kept close together from instinct. The doors of the front room were closed. The girls saw the wide staircase and made for it as quickly as they could. Reaching the staircase, they ran up the steps, stumbling and crowding each other, They had a horrible feeling that someone, something, pursued them from those quiet rooms below. End of chapter 14. Read by Joni Vatainen. Elk River, Minnesota. August 2, 2022.